This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is Chris Dearborn. I'm an associate clinical professor of law at Suffolk University Law School. I recently wrote an article that's going to be published very soon. And the title of the article is, You Have a Right to an Attorney, But Not Right Now, Combating Miranda's Failures by Advancing the Point of Attachment under Article 12. The article is really broken into two parts. The first part is identifying an enormous systematic problem in the criminal justice system, and the second part is proposing a solution that is unique, if not unusual, to Massachusetts. The problem is, in the 40 years plus since the famous Miranda decision was handed down, has resulted in significant systematic problems and a misunderstanding by courts of what police do before, during, and after interrogation. And essentially, the problem is social science has indicated that most criminal defendants do not understand both the content of Miranda warnings and the legal significance of the rights they're giving up. So when they, for example, sign a Miranda waiver or waive Miranda and agree to talk to the police during custodial interrogation, they really have no idea the significance of that decision. And One of the lines in Miranda, which is where the title of the article comes from, is is that you have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, one will be appointed for you. The problem is that appointment procedure in most jurisdictions, and specifically in Massachusetts, doesn't occur until arraignment, which can be as, as long as four days after somebody is arrested and exposed to custodial interrogation. So that right is the right to an attorney, if you will, is somewhat misleading and puric. And my solution to this problem is that The Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts should allow for the attachment of the right to counsel prior to custodial interrogation, in other words, an earlier point, rather than when a formal pleading is filed and or when an arraignment actually occurs. What this would do is would allow someone who is exposed to custodial interrogation to have the guiding hand of counsel to explain what the words in Miranda mean and what the rights they're actually giving up are so they can make an informed decision which was the whole point of the decision in the first place. And the United States Supreme Court has, I think, failed to recognize the psychological realities of what happens during custodial interrogation. Uh, And their case law since that landmark decision has watered down Miranda rights. And what happens specifically with the police is, as has been labeled by one Miranda scholar, it's an interrogation continuum. In other words, even though it may not be interrogation yet, the police are trained to soften up a suspect. For example, they can tell the suspect that they can't promise a specific amount of leniency, but they can say, we'll take your cooperation to the attention of the prosecutor. And that works to psychologically coerce somebody into giving up the right to silence and talking. And without a lawyer to actually explain what's at stake, I think they're being tricked. So when Miranda was first decided... What the Supreme Court was concerned about was mostly physical brutality and very severe psychological coercion. But that physical brutality and psychological coercion has now been replaced by equally deceptive coercive tactics by the police who, during the entire continuum of custodial interrogation, do whatever they can to induce a confession or a statement to induce a waiver without those individuals having any idea what's at stake. One of the most telling examples of this that that I came across in the social science literature was that uh, some studies indicate in the neighborhood of 50% of suspects who are interrogated 
don't understand even some of the simpler words in a typical Miranda waiver. And there are approximately a thousand different versions of Miranda waivers out there which are far from uniform. So my hope is that the Supreme Judicial Court will at some point take a good look at this issue and consider that under their own state constitution, they can provide greater protection. And the SJC has a very bold history of doing this in analogous circumstances, and that's part of the discussion in the second part of the article. Even if the SJC doesn't accept my legal analysis for the conclusion, um, my ancillary hope is that both appellate judges and trial court judges will appreciate the coercion and psychological trickery that goes on during any custodial interrogation and take that into account when they're assessing whether a Miranda waiver was in fact voluntary under the Fifth Amendment. My greatest scholarly interest right now is the distinctions between the United States Constitution and the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights, and specifically Article 14 and Article 12 of the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights, which are the parallel versions of the Fourth Amendment and then the Fifth and Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution. And one fundamental principle of constitutional law is that the Bill of Rights is a floor, not a ceiling. In other words, individual states are allowed to have their highest court interpret their own state constitutions to provide greater protection than the federal constitution. And in fact, the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts has done this with increasing frequency over the years, exercising their own individual autonomy, which is a fundamental principle of federalism. My hope is to move the ball forward, advance the ball, and and elicit an appreciation and understanding by all participants in the criminal justice system, that it is fundamentally unfair when a criminal defendant is induced to waive their right to silence, and that inducement can occur in a variety of different ways and can occur prior to the actual interrogation, so it's not considered an interrogation per se, during the interrogation, and continue all the way up until trial. The distinction that's hard for some people to understand is that The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution entitles somebody to the right to counsel, but that's only has been interpreted by the United States Supreme Court only to occur once a case formally starts. But the reality is the reason that you need an attorney in the guiding hand of legal advice at a custodial interrogation is the exact same reason you need one for the rest of the case. People don't have a legal expertise and they don't appreciate their rights, and that's why they need a lawyer. And I think there is a very compelling legal argument that under Article 12, applying the social science as it exists today should be interpreted to advance the point of attachment so that a, the actual right to talk to a lawyer occurs prior to a formal charge or arraignment specifically applies at the onset of custodial interrogation. A final draft is now posted online at the Suffolk Law Review website, and the paper copy of that will be, it's my understanding, will be coming out in the next two or three weeks. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.